Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. These are the audio versions of the sermons preached each Sunday. I hope you enjoy. So our first reading will be from, or our only reading today is from Romans 15, chap, uh, verses 20 through 22. Thus, I make it my ambition to proclaim the good news, not where Christ has already been named, so that I do not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him shall see, and those who have never heard of him shall understand. This is the reason that I have so often been hindered from coming to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. First of all, it is an honor to be before you this morning. Um, I consider it a privilege and an honor to stand before um, you today, to stand in God's pulpit. Um, It's the biggest honor that I've ever been given is to stand before God's people to proclaim his word. Um, So thank you for having me, Pastor Judy. Thank you for being my GPS. (laughs) She got me here today. Um, She's been handling everything. I mixed up the dates, so uh, Pastor Alex was supposed to be here with us. But I cold emailed him earlier this year. I just wanted an ally for the work that we do at Good News Partners. And I understand that you guys have been a a long-standing ally to Good News Partners. So I wanted to meet this young guy that everybody's been talking about. (laughs) And he's good. We met for lunch. He paid. (laughs) We met again, and I paid. And I came today, and he's not here. And then they're like, well, can you preach the 9 o'clock service and the 10.30 service? I was like, okay, fine. But I want my lunch, Pastor Alex. Is this going to be online? Oh, oh, yes. This is live online. Maybe he's watching. <laughs> I would like to tell you how the church um, can play its greatest role in culture today. And I would like to use that scripture that we just read through to do it. Um, doesn't matter if you're feeding the homeless. Doesn't matter if you're combating the violence in the city of Chicago. It doesn't matter what your holy discontent is, sex and human trafficking. Whatever you decide to do, um, I believe the Apostle Paul lays a framework for us all on how to do that work a little bit better than we've been doing it, right? Scripture tells us that greater works shall you do. And um, it all starts Uh, with some definitive decisions. And before I get back to that text that we just read, I want to take a look at Genesis 1-2, because we have a master decision maker in Scripture. And we find it in verse uh, Genesis 1-2. Listen to this real quick. It's not my text for today, um, but I'm building towards that text, because I have you for about 45 to 50. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, I, I read that email wrong. Um, Listen to this. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Earth was formless and empty. God, God decided to form and fill it 
with a series of definitive decisions. Can I ask you a question real quick? Is there anything more formless and empty than the south and west sides of Chicago? Than Silicon Valley? Than Wall Street? Is there anything more formless and empty than politics? Than sports and entertainment right now? Earth was formless and empty. God decided to form it and fill it with a series of decisions. Let there be light. Let there be light over here. Let there be darkness over here. He distinguished the land from the sea, putting plants and fruits on the land, placing living beings in the sea and in the air, a series of decisions. Just like, the, just like God in creation, the body of Christ, you and I, his creation, have to make some definitive decisions. And guess what, church people? They have to extend outside of Sunday morning decisions. Or when will choir rehearsal be? I know you don't have a midweek, so it would extend outside of midweek service, too, if you had one, Pastor Alex. <laughs> the people want a midweek service. No. So in Romans 15, 20 through 22, the Apostle Paul serves as a model and provides a framework for what decision-making needs to look like if you're trying to impact culture. Otherwise, just sitting here on Sunday morning, meet with the same people you've been meeting with Sunday after Sunday, and just let culture and let people uh, live a life outside of God's will. Just staying here. Let's read the scripture one more time. And I have the New Living Translation. It just, it just helped me out for this sermon, but either way, um, both translations are right on point. Let's read it really quick. And my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in scriptures, where it says, those who have never been told about him will see, and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, Pastor Judy and I were late today to service because we have been preaching in these places. That's not true. We relate because of me. But the Apostle Paul, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been doing this work. I got so caught up in living um, God's plan for my life that I was late in getting to you today. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling the people. So the Apostle Paul is saying, my focus is wherever Christ has no voice, no presence, or no influence. Those are the places that I want to hang out. Those are the people that I want to uh, talk to. The first decision that he made, he made a decision to go where no one goes. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started. Does anybody remember when the church was the staging grounds for movements? Civil rights movement? You couldn't start a movement like that without going through the church. Now the church is a distant, distant backdrop to Black Lives Matters, LGBTQ um, initiatives, immigration, um, refugee crisis. Those groups go around the church because all we want to do is, are we going to use a red fader or a green fader? Are we going to do three selections? When should we do the offering? Don't forget to get the bulletins together. 
They go around us to get done what they want to get done. And so back in the day, um, we used to have some cultural currency. And that cultural currency is just uh, the ability to persuade and challenge culture, where they knew um, to come to the church um, to stage and to present any movement. Again, they go around the church now. So we used to have that privilege, we used to have that influence, and we surrendered it. And I don't know about you, but in my life, whenever I've surrendered something, whenever I've surrendered any ground, it's really hard to reclaim surrender ground. It's much harder than getting it for the first time, right? Okay, maybe the men will help me on this one. You ever lost a pretty girl? How was it getting her back? You need two dozen roses. She needs to go to a sit-down restaurant now. And you gotta wear a tie. It's a lot harder to get something back that you surrendered. So we've surrendered this ground, and so guess what? We gotta do the work to get it back. And the Apostle Paul gives us a great framework um, for doing that. Um, and it starts with making the decision to go where church people don't go, where Christians don't hang out. So for about eight or nine years, I worked in the uh, religious world. I started off at an African-American church called Fellowship on the south side, was there for a little over three years, transitioned over to Willow Creek and worked at the Chicago campus, and I served as the millennial pastor there. And um, I always pushed our church to get outside of our little bubble, our little echo chamber of making those decisions that I mentioned a moment ago that don't necessarily push culture forward, doesn't necessarily uh, provide the sustainable impact that I believe culture needs. And so I remember a few years ago, I think it was 2015, I decided to attend Lollapalooza. I think I've seen some of y'all over here out there. <laughs> Um, but it's a musical event that takes place in the city over four days now, um, and it's amazing. Um, but one night, you know, at the end of the night, everybody spills out onto Michigan Avenue, through Michigan to Wabash, through Wabash to State Street. So I decided to take Wabash home that night. And on Wabash, the liquor store was open later. There were deals in the window for anybody who wanted um, to recharge before they went into Lollapalooza. Um, I have to imagine this, that the ATMs were filled with more cash because they knew they would see more traffic. <laughs> Dairy Queen was open late. And then our church, Willow Chicago, was on Wabash too. If we had curtains, the curtains would have been drawn. It was pitch black. Doors were locked. I said, I don't get this. Why do we opt out when culture opts in? Why don't we opt in when culture opts in? We, send, we tend to opt out. Um, and so I said, next year, we're going to do something about it. So the next year, we had a Lollapalooza open mic. And we opened our doors. And you can hear our music just like you could hear um, Lollapalooza's music. But at the end of our open mic, um, we packaged together something that we call Lala bags, Lala care bags. So a power bar, Gatorade, aspirin a white towel, you know, just in case you need to recover from all of the Capri Suns you had been drinking at Lollapalooza. No lime t-shirts with Willow Creek on them, no tracks. We just want the love on culture. 
We went where no one was at. There were no churches at Lala. There's no tents for churches at Lala. There were sponsors. There was liquor sponsors. There were dating app sponsors. No church sponsors, though. The second decision he made, he made a decision to follow Scripture. Uh, Verse 21. I have been following the plan spoken of in the Scriptures, where it says those who have never been told about him will see, and those who, who have never heard of him will understand. Unfortunately, following the plan of Scripture amongst us, amongst our our teammates. Following the plan of scripture has been exchanged for doing what we want to do in his name. Right? Where you stand outside the abortion clinic with the ugly signs. You stand outside a funeral uh, with ugly signs in the name of the Lord. You know anybody like that? Know any churches like that? I don't see any examples in scripture where God moves like that. God moves with love, teaches us to love our enemies, love our neighbors. Um, And um, instead of doing what God told them to do, they do what they want to do in his name. And I love using the Apostle Paul in scripture um, because he's just a great reflection of us, right? I don't know about you, but I didn't come out of the womb. Where's, where's um, Madison? Yeah, I didn't come to faith at, this, at, the, at her age. I was 20 when I came to faith, so I was my own God for 20 years, and it was painful. And so I, I relate a lot to the Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul was a card-carrying Christian killer. That was his reputation. And then something happened on the road to Damascus in Acts 9 where the God stops him in his tracks and outlines a plan for his life. Let's take a look at it really quickly. Um, Acts 9, 15. Listen to how God talks to Paul. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. Guys, we are his chosen instrument, just like the Apostle Paul. He picked us out of the toolbox of the world to use us for his work. Chosen instrument. Has anybody ever tried to hammer a nail with something other than a hammer? (laughs) You ever try to screw in a Phillips screw with a flathead screwdriver? How'd that work out for you? I bet I know. It was probably a waste of time. You probably damaged whatever you were working on. And I'm most certain that you didn't get the expected outcome that you thought you would get. Whenever we use this chosen instrument, our lives, um, for something that he didn't intend for us to use it for, when we bring those ugly signs to that abortion clinic, um, when we take some of the stances that we take in culture, um, we are using that instrument our instrument, our life in a way that wasn't designed for it to be used. And guess what? We waste a lot of time. Um, We damage whatever we're working on, whether we know it or not. And then, of course, we don't get the expected outcome. People don't think highly of the church. People don't think highly of ministers, of pastors. Uh, 
because we've been, we haven't been operating like that chosen instrument, that peculiar instrument that God created for us to do. We have to make a decision to follow scripture, guys. Not what we want to do in his name, but following the plan that he's outlined for us if we want to make sustainable impact. Otherwise, just keep coming at, to your 1030 service, sitting in the same seat that you've been sitting in. <laughs> the third decision he made, he made a decision to get out of the box. Uh, that's verses 21 and 22. Those who have never been told about him will see. So I'm going to those places. Those who have never heard of him will understand. I'm going to talk to those people. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long that I've been preaching to these people. I'm going to get lost in these people, in these places, whenever I get to them, whenever I go to them. That's the decision the Apostle Paul made. And um, there's another example of the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 13. Check this out when you get time, and then read it in the message translation, too. I'll read that really quickly. The Apostle Paul, man, he doesn't, he's not a casual speaker gets right to it. Listen to how he talks to these people. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. The Apostle Paul is telling the church to quit majoring in the minors. Quit arguing with each other. Stop swinging for base hits. Swing for the fence. Stop exchanging aspirational thinking for practical the Apostle Paul is telling them, greater work shall you do. He is essentially saying that. And I think all over the country today, people are going to God and they're asking for more. They're asking for bigger. They're asking for extra. And God is like, I want, I want the same thing out of you too. I want you to get into this wide open, expansive life, open life that I plan for you. Um... I don't know if you know this or not, but you are a child of the Most High God. Did you know that? Do you remember the supernatural transfer that took place when you said yes to him? That Sunday morning, vacation Bible school, camp, that Sunday night, that revival. I don't know where you are when you lived out Romans 10, 9. You confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus died for your sins. I don't know where you were, but do you know there was a supernatural transfer that took place? that made it impossible for you to just live this regular life? You know, I, I, I spoke at um, First Prayers of Evanston two weeks ago for their 150th anniversary, one of the biggest honors of my life. And so they had a speaker there from Bethlehem, you know, the Holy Land. They had a speaker there from Egypt, the motherland. And then I'm from the south side of Chicago. I was representing the land of Lincoln. <laughs> I represent it for Illinois, don't, don't worry. But I mentioned to them about that Romans 10.9 scripture that I referenced, that transfer that took place, that made it impossible for you to just come in and pick your seat every Sunday and not get involved in culture. There's a transfer that took place, and it was your Christian inauguration. 
Does anybody remember when President Obama, that first year he was inaugurated, and um, Chief Justice Roberts stumbled over that 35-word oath, so much so that they had to redo it in, the, uh, in his office on Monday? And as you, if you get a chance to look at this on YouTube, President Obama has his hand raised, and Chief Justice Roberts stumbles, and, and you can see President Obama hesitate like only a former constitutional professor uh, was, uh, would, would kind of, or like someone who had rehearsed it over and over again, and you know how much he uh, rehearses his stuff. So he knew when he stumbled, and he's like, hey man, this is what I believe Obama was thinking. Hey, don't mess this transfer up for me. My life is getting ready to change forever. I'm getting ready to have black cars dropping me off and following me for the rest of my life. Don't you mess this transfer up for me. President Obama understood that there was this transition taking place that was going to make it ordinary life is, is no longer. That's the same transfer that took place with you and I when we said yes. We exchanged our burdens for his rest. We exchanged ordinary living, base hits, doubles, sorry for the sports analogies, for grand slams, aspirational living, aspirational thinking, no more practical stuff once we say yes to him. Made a decision to get out of the box. Your life is not meant to be boxed in as a Christian. Not in this faith. Um, the Apostle Paul showed us today, guys, go where no one goes. Go where no one goes. Follow scriptures when you do it. And don't get boxed into this weird, wacky Christian world that we sometimes like to make our, it's just for us, us only. You got to get outside of these four walls. You got to bring people into these walls that don't look like you. We got to engage differently, more thoughtfully. And again, as most, as you know, most of you know, I've been the executive director at Good News Partners for about a year now. And it's in the, uh, this tiny neighborhood called North of Howard. You know, Chicago is made up of 77 neighborhoods. This is one of the poorest, probably one of the poorest communities in the nation. And um, it's a place where no one goes. It's a place where not many follow scripture. And everyone is boxed in. Open air drug dealing, open air dice games, loud music. Everybody is living a boxed in life. And I said, I think this is why God is sending me to this place. To go where no one goes. You know, I came from Kellogg. None of my classmates would have made this. I could have made a, a lot of different decisions with my life after finishing that Kellogg. But I wanted to use my faith in a place where his voice had no presence, uh, where he had no voice, where he had no influence. And it's a place that needs this godly framework that uh, the Apostle Paul laid out. You know, and since arriving, I made some great partnerships. Um, Southminster Prayers is one of my favorite places. I was with them the first Sunday of the year. Um, they had me out for Father's Day, and everybody had on polos, and I suited up. And I was like, hey, I thought we was friends. Nobody sent me this memo of it being Polo Sunday. But we're, we're back together, and we're friends. And um, I love Southminster Prayers. I love the work that's going on here. 
And I've just been sharing my desires and my vision of how I want to serve the homeless at a concierge level. And it sounds like an oxymoron, right? But when we think of the homeless, you probably, I don't know how you drop your clothes off to them, but I I used to drop mine off in hefty bags to them. I doubt anybody in this room today got dressed by digging their blouse out of a hefty bag. When you ate this morning, you probably didn't eat it out of a dented can. Those are the donations that we get, dented can goods for this group. And so I just said, we're going to serve this group at a concierge level, and I'm going to use this model to do it. I found scripture that applied to this concierge uh, approach to doing business because, you know, I just look at places that don't have pretty crosses and pretty carpet and... You know, they get customer service right. You know, you can't walk in Home Depot without one of those people in those ugly orange vests stopping you to say, how can I help you? And so I started studying customer service. And so who who comes to mind when you think about customer service? Who's a company that comes to mind? Disney, very good. Give me a couple more. Amazon. You you order it right here in your pew and as soon as you get home. I could wear this tonight. One of the companies that I think about um, is the Ritz-Carlton. And since this is going out on the World Wide Web, and I don't want to jeopardize my street cred, I have never stayed at the Ritz. <laughs> I would like to, but I haven't. But I just began to study, like, why they get this right. And so I jumped on their website, and they actually call their customer service standards gold standards. And so I'm from the nonprofit world where, you know, people think nonprofit, non-performance. Um, people think, you know, you know this will do. And so I'm like, why not bronze standards? Why do they have gold standards? Why not silver standards? Come on, man. I, don't, I can't attain gold standards. But they get it right. I kept reading and I kept looking and I understood that, you know, gold is the standard. And many of you know this, gold doesn't depreciate. That's why they named it Gold Standard. So I I kept digging, because I wanted to know how they do this. So I have a few minutes left, and I need to put on my Ritz-Carlton voice for this. But listen to their mission, man. You can go online and read this. The Ritz-Carlton is a place where the genuine care and comfort of our guests is our highest mission. We pledge to provide the finest personal service and facilities for our guests, who will always enjoy a warm, relaxed, yet refined ambiance. The Ritz-Carlton experience enlivens the senses, instills well-being, and fulfills even the most unexpressed wishes and needs of our guests. I looked all through the website, y'all. I didn't see a cross. I didn't see any scripture. No mention of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yet they had these God standards for dealing with people. No mention of God, but God standards. And I just kept digging. I was like, well, if you remove the L from gold standards, what do you have left? You got God standards. And all too often in faith-based institutions, in some churches, not all churches, there's this that will do mentality these silver standards, these bronze standards. And that's what I believe is missing 
from the work that we do at Good News Partners. Been some amazing work the past 41 years. Bud Ogle is a giant. And uh, I know many of you have served alongside him and he's done some great work. Now we're gonna raise the bar and we're gonna try to raise the bar to gold standards. And um, I just wanted you to join me in making a decision to leave culture better than we found it by raising the bar. Um, God has some expectations of all of us. And they're high because you're gonna do it with his help. That's the only reason they're that high. Um, everything that he gave us was so that we would surrender it back to him. Our lives, uh, which is our souls, our money, um, our children. You bring your children to God. He helps you raise them. The standard is set so high because we need him to get it done. We can't do it in our own strength. That's why I love one of my favorite images of God, you know, in the African-American church is just saying he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. <laughs> and you just think about that. It's like, wow, how does God walk throughout eternity? I mean, how does God walk around? It's probably this slow pace. Listen, he's walking through eternity, y'all. He is infinite. So the pace is a little different when you're infinite. We're finite. We're in a hurry. I got to get to what time is the service over? I got to go to the grocery store. I got to cook. I got to barbecue today. We're in a rush. He moves throughout eternity. So his pace is a little slow, but guess what? He's always on time. He's always on time. It has been my pleasure to be with you. I pray nothing but God's best over this church and the work that you do. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.